Our gospel reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, and Jesus talks about the good shepherd and the sheep. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill and steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hands run away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong in this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, in addition to COVID-19, another pandemic gripped the United States in March of 2020. I believe the medical experts call it puppy fever. Anybody contract puppy fever in the last year and a half? Yeah, I see some hands. Yep, us too. All of a sudden, retriever puppy. It was nearly impossible to find, as so many people were under the sway of this virus, which drew them irresistibly to cute and fuzzy puppies. I did not have puppy fever myself, and I was dubious to say the least. There were already six humans and one dog under our roof, and we could barely keep alive the four plants in our house. But it was too late anyway. Puppy fever had set in, and there was no going back. And so Jenny finally found a breeder in, wait for it, Missouri, who had golden retriever puppies available. And so we committed to one named Granger, and they would send us pictures every week, puppy Granger by the flowers, puppy Granger with sunglasses on, puppy Granger with a a tennis ball. Everything stopped in my house when those pictures came in and they hit the family group chat. And finally, when he was old enough, The breeder flew him from Missouri to Chicago to the godforsaken Philadelphia airport cargo area where we picked him up and we brought him home. And Granger, the dog, has been a wonderful addition to our family. 
Um, and I know there are many of you uh, here who have gotten quarantine puppies or pets over the last 18 months, dogs, chickens, cats, and more, and they have become our companions during this pandemic, a welcome distraction, a reason to get up and go out, a source of joy and unconditional love and comfort. Did you know that there is even a Lutheran comfort dog ministry? Have any of you heard about this? Indeed, there is. There's a program sponsored by the Lutheran Church Charities of the Missouri Synod. And this ministry has more than 130 specially trained golden retrievers in 20 states, uh, most of them owned and cared for by people that belong to Lutheran congregations. And their mission is to bring mercy and compassion, presence and a bold proclamation of Jesus Christ to those who are suffering. A religion news service report says that in recent years, the dogs and their handlers have been deployed to a series of disasters, including Hurricane Sandy and Harvey, the deadly tornado in Joplin, Missouri, the Boston Marathon bombing, and to Parkland, Sandy Hook, and Las Vegas mass shootings. When they're not deployed to disasters, the comfort dogs work daily with people of all ages in various settings, from convalescent homes and veterans' hospitals to juvenile courthouses and schools. And more recently, Lutheran comfort dogs even went to Miami to comfort those at the condominium collapse that we've all been seeing in the news. The comfort of a pet or animal can make a world of difference. My two Goldens are way too poorly behaved to be comfort dogs. They're, they're comforting in their own way to us, but not to anybody else. So even though I was skeptical, skeptical about getting another dog, Granger, the dog, and I now have a special bond. I'm sure he felt that I was skeptical and then seized right upon me. You know how animals can be. And Granger's really helped me to get through COVID time with cuddles and playing and going for walks and just being silly. The dog has a lot of personality. But the one thing I noticed and learned from Granger is his curiosity about everything. In Granger's world, everything is new and amazing. Like the dog in the Pixar movie Up, you know, with the translation collar that he wears when it translates his thoughts and it's just squirrel, 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 squirrel. <laughs> Granger's translation collar would go, wow, 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 oh wow, oh wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Granger is continually fascinated by the world and he is always deeply in the present moment. Granger and our pets can teach us a lot about curiosity, wonder, and paying attention to what is happening around us. Um, Granger and I tend to walk the same mile-and-a-half loop from our house uh, out of the parsonage behind the cul-de-sac behind our house and around Hoffman and Heather Roads here over in the neighborhood. And although we walk it almost every day, Granger is endlessly fascinated by it. Seeing the neighbors again as if for the first time, meeting other dogs as if for the first time, amazed by the trash bins and the recycle bins and the noises going on. And Granger helps me to see familiar things in new ways, with new eyes and with greater attention. And it reminds me of something I read in the book Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear by Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote the uh, book Eat, Pray, Love, which was her big bestseller. And she writes this about curiosity. She says, I believe that curiosity is the secret. Curiosity is the truth and the way of creative living. Curiosity is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. 
Furthermore, curiosity is accessible to everyone. Passion can seem intimidatingly out of reach at times, a distant tower of flame accessible only to geniuses and those who are specially touched by God. But curiosity is a milder, quieter, more welcoming, and more democratic entity. The stakes of curiosity are also far lower than the stakes of passion. Passion makes you get divorced and sell all your possessions and shave your head and move to Nepal. Curiosity doesn't ask nearly so much of you. In fact, curiosity only ever asks one simple question. Is there anything that you're interested in? Anything, even a tiny bit, no matter how mundane or small? The answer need not set your life on fire or make you quit your job or force you to change your religion. Please don't. Uh, Or send you into a fugue state. It just has to capture your attention for a moment. But in that moment, if you can pause and identify even one tiny speck of interest in something, then curiosity will ask you to turn your head a quarter of an inch and look at the thing a wee bit closer. Do it. It's a clue, she says. It might seem like nothing, but it's a clue. Follow that clue. Trust it. See where curiosity will lead you next. Then follow the next clue and the next and the next. Remember, it doesn't have to be a voice in the desert. It's just a harmless little scavenger hunt. Following the scavenger hunt of curiosity can lead you to amazing, unexpected places. It may even eventually lead you to your passion, albeit through a strange, untraceable passage of back alleys, underground caves, and secret doors. Or it may lead you nowhere. You might spend your whole life following your curiosity and have absolutely nothing to show for it at the end, except one thing. You will have the satisfaction of knowing that you passed your entire existence in devotion to the noble human virtue of inquisitiveness. And that should be more than enough for anyone to say that they lived a rich and splendid life. In general, I think we suffer from a lack of curiosity about the world and about others. We suffer from a lack of wonder and imagination. But you know, Jesus looked at things and people differently, and he demonstrated a great curiosity about the woman at the well, about Zacchaeus who climbed up the sycamore tree to see him, about Nicodemus who saw them out in the cover of darkness at night, about the rich young man who wanted to follow Jesus but could not part with his possessions, and the crowds that followed him around Galilee. Jesus was endlessly curious about their stories, their families, the cruelty and the selfishness that they could do, and also their kindness and their questions, their passions and their hopes, their longings. Jesus looked at people and the world with great curiosity, and in doing so, he refrained from passing judgment and instead sought understanding. Curiosity, as a spiritual practice, is a way for us to refrain from judgment and to acknowledge that we see and know only in part, that there is always more to know, to see, and to experience. What if we brought more curiosity and wonder into our lives? What if we didn't just assume things and people are as they appear, because they are not? 
What if we look deeper at the people and things we see every day? What would we notice? Could we see the depth and abundance that is there? What if we practice a curiosity about ourselves rather than judging ourselves because we always are worse critics? What if instead of criticizing ourselves, we ask curious questions like, why did I do that? Why did I react that way? How am I really feeling about this? Why do I feel anxious or happy? What am I really afraid of or excited about? You see, that is a different way of being in the world, a way of extending compassion to ourselves and to others, a practice that helps us to get unstuck. It is a way of resisting this cultural moment we find ourselves in when there is an utter lack of curiosity, wonder, imagination, belief, and openness. It is a way of noticing the grace and goodness that we often miss. So thanks be to God for our pets, for animals, for all of creation. Thank you, God, for Granger. These are our companions And frequently, they are our teachers. May their advice to us, their example for us, help us to be more curious about ourselves, our world, and others. Amen.